it's it's a real conundrum. And that's why there's so much suffering in this world, because, yeah, it's not easy to let go of your opinions, your conditioning, your ideas. It's very difficult because that's what you're familiar with. It's scary to let go of those things. But you have to become completely stupid. You have to actually not know. And, and that's that's a leap for, for everybody. But it's uh, it's tremendously effective. But people don't always do what's effective. You know, is this too scary or is too it's too difficult? You know. So yeah, that's that's the sad part of it. Very sad. <laughs> so that's why we're in the situation we're in this world. You know, and it doesn't have to be the, this brand of Zen Buddhism that I'm talking about. But you've got to find your way. You've got to find what wakes you up and what makes you stabilize and, and be more effective and and feel good and feel loving. And what is that? And so the then you have that. What is that? And every religion has to have what is that. Every path has to have what is this. Or else you're not going to make it. You're not going to find your find your way. Zen Master Song Yang, Barbara Rhodes, or Bobby as she's known to many people, was one of Zen Master Sung Sun's first American students and began studying with him in 1972. She was given Inca, or permission to teach, in 1977 and received Dharma transmission from Zen Master Sung Sun in 1992. For many years, Bobby worked as a hospice nurse and her practice and teaching was profoundly impacted by sitting with her patients as they transitioned from this body. Today, Zen Master Sung Yang is the guiding Zen master of the Quantum School of Zen, which includes over a hundred centers and temples worldwide. You are listening to Sit, Breathe, Bow, a podcast for practitioners. Each week, leading Buddhist teachers share life experiences and insights to help guide your meditation practice as well as your life off of the cushion. I am your host, Ian Whitemar. This podcast is sponsored by the Providence Zen Center, a residential Buddhist community in Cumberland, Rhode Island. The Providence Zen Center provides opportunities for short and long-term residency and holds retreats from one day to three months. For more information, please visit ProvidenceZen.org. Bobby, I wonder if we can begin with why. Why would you do all of this practice? What compels you on this path? Well, I can speak for myself. I have always thought life didn't make much sense. Even as a young child, I was very aware of the confusion going on around me. And I used to ask, why was I born? What's the point? Uh, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was depressed. I just was pretty. a, a child that really questioned things. And um, so as I got older, I just wanted a way out of the confusion. And I, as I, I was doing pretty well, I finished nursing school and I, you know, I had a diploma in nursing and had lots of friends, but I just felt that I didn't really want a car and a house and a doctor husband, a lot of things that the people I went to school wanted. And, and I said, well, what, what, what is there beyond, beyond that? So I think that for me, I realized that, that the, the tangible things weren't going to really give me any permanent happiness. And maybe I was lucky because I already had those tangible. We weren't rich, but I always had what I needed and um, knew that they weren't 
really fitting the bill. So I, I was looking for a way to expand my consciousness, really. And um, I think that the why is uh, why am I alive and what can I do to help other others and what can I do to make life feel full and meaningful? So that's why I started practicing. But then you stuck with it for quite a forever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. still trying. I'm still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and you've seen people come in and out. Yeah. And they have a question also, but for some reason they the practice mm -hmm. seems hard or maybe they don't like what they find or what why did you stick with it? What was in it? What was in the practice for you? Well, I, I think I got immediate results from just uh, Zen Master Sung Song just was a very refreshing teacher and a very practical teacher. And he didn't talk about samadhi or enlightenment. He talked about, you know, uh, what are you and what is this right in front of you? And we did koan practice. And and I, w I answered a few of the simpler koans, and I felt very inspired by that. And, and, and the real thing was to – uh, we teach to ask what is this um, all the time um, when you're at work, when you're watching a movie, when you're walking anytime, what is this? And I find that that goes hand in hand with um, solving my issue about what's the point of anything. Because if I can ask, what is this? I feel like I can keep learning. So I, as a young student, I would take what is this to work with me. I worked in a large nursing home. I had a lot of responsibility. I saw a lot of suffering. And um, when I asked what is this, I would get in tune with what I was doing just now with the person or the task. And I felt it. I just felt like the day went by so quickly doing that. What is this practice? So I, I, I never dropped that. I, why would I drop that? <laughs> so also what I, what I really get inspired by is just understanding um, the meaning of checking, holding and making something. So if I, if I'm check if I'm checking after all these years, I, I I'm very aware that I'm checking, you know, that, that I'm, I'm evaluating, I'm, I'm questioning, I'm, I'm measuring by uh, some false, um, addition process like i woke up this morning for example and i was thinking yeah i get a stipend from the quantum school and i just woke up this morning in a slight funk and this is after you know 50 years 50 years of practice <laughs> you know i just went like i'm not doing enough for the quantum school and um mm. i get a stipend and i was like I, am i earning that stipend so i was checking you know and mm -hmm. and uh then i just caught it that I was checking and I said, well, what are you going to do today? And I turned out I've, I've Skyped a couple people already this morning and I've written some emails and I'm, th I'm thinking about someone else I need to give a call to. And I went, that's earning your thousand dollars. Don't check. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but you could, you could be checking and actually the checking can help you as long as you recognize it as, as this is the mind that evaluates. This is the mind that has some idea and Zen teaches us just, uh, don't hold on to the idea, but what are you going to do? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I feel much better. You know, this is like I've been up now for about five hours. I, I, I stopped checking and I'm, I'm actually feeling like I have a, I'm, I'm useful. I'm having a good day. You know? <laughs> and th that's, it's, that's it. It works. This practice works. I feel like a lot of people come to meditation or there's a, 
conversation about meditation and mindfulness right now that is really about calming yourself or right being more productive or something. And I'm just wondering if you can elaborate a little bit on what you're seeing in terms of how practice is perceived to how it's appeared for you. Well, when I do that, when I, when I ask, and, and so that, that was just talking about how, if you, if you realize you're checking, how you can have a better day is Mm -hmm. you can see what you were checking about and then do something about it. But, but the question, how is it just now? uh, What is this just now? That opens us up to uh, infinite possibilities of being a, a, a wiser and kinder and more compassionate human being because we can see things that, and, and it can be the smallest thing but but by asking what is this and seeing how our mind can 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 get more into what's happening just in this moment that that's that's the whole infinite universe right there in that moment by by you just being aware so it doesn't matter whether you're gardening or you're talking to someone you're doing your job as i said you could be watching a movie but all of a sudden you see the real production the real point and what what it is that you can learn from this and obviously we're we're born to learn we're born to, to to so to learn our lessons to widen ourselves and so so zen accesses us to that be that ability to see things there's this great line uh, in an interview you gave with tricycle magazine where the interviewer asked you what would prevent a person from knowing his or her path and you responded not having a clear vow mm-hmm. and the vow it seems so big and so <laughs> so important and what you just said was well it's mundane how do you go through life and i'm just wondering where the vow fits into the just going through life well the vow is is you know that like the buddha said we all every each person each thing already has it and and what is it to have but to have compassion and and the ability to reach out i mean to to be able to see and hear and know how to help and and so i i I often think about if i was uh collecting garbage and that was my job a waste management job and and i liked it it was it gave me freedom i liked the hours i i didn't want for a lot of a big salary and so something about being outside and collecting you know, so that could be, I, I like that job. So then if you're practicing and you have that job, if you're really noticing, paying attention, you could begin um, an incredible recycling um, business or some way to, to give back to, you know, you see someone uh, just by seeing people's garbage, you could turn it into some compassionate act and by saving and giving back or whatever you would do with that. That. So, I mean, anything you do, you can expand it into something else, into something bigger and um, and, and compassionate. Or maybe you just you don't think the way uh, you aren't thinking about recycling, but you're just taking that salary that you get and you see how to help with that salary, what to do with that salary, and you feel complete, you feel happy, you're content. So it's like it doesn't matter what you do, what how wide your vision is of of who you are. 
But if you have a vow, you can turn whatever you do and whoever you are into something that helps this world. And that's that's something that that's what a vow is. It's a simple, simple thing. And I love that you tied the idea of the vow to knowing what your path is. Right. There's so many people that, that what am I doing? What is the purpose of this? Uh-huh. Well, you find your vow through self-reflection. Like if you, if you do spend some time just asking, what am I? What is this? And going into that space of not knowing, of just allowing, allowing your question to, to just be there, that, all that compassion and wisdom comes right up from the bottom, right, right from your gut. If you listen, everything is already there. So um, the vow is there. So if you're doing something that's not really useful, it's, it's, if it's not useful to the world, it's not useful to you, and you feel it. You feel flat. You feel discontented. And so, so, you, so if you take that sense of not feeling fulfilled and, and just look at it, it's our, the, the universe is very generous. You'll find your way. And as I said, it could be collecting garbage, realizing you want to be outside and you want to be collecting things. <laughs> that's your karma. And so you do that, and you feel 100% complete. And what I'm feeling, uh, I want to use the word tension. I don't know if that's the correct word, but I know a lot of people who, when they talk about meditation, when they talk about practice, they want calm and what I hear you talking about is saying, well, it's, it's not calm, but there's compassion or there's something else which really isn't about you. Well, what are you? There's just no, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is no you. <laughs> yeah. Really? That's the thing that we have to get. It's only this moment and what, what, what's moving through this moment. And we do have some, I don't know, the word control sounds funny, but we do have this vehicle. We have this brain. We have our hands and our feet. And there are things through this world, this short lifetime that we have of lessons where we can turn the wheel. We can steer it in this way or that way. We do have that ability. And that's about all we have. You know. So what are you going to steer yeah. it towards? Yeah. So as I said, the vow comes naturally from questioning. And I think that the quantity, you know, the Zemata Sung Song and the, the Korean tradition of using koan practices is, is what makes our school unique, the way we use the koan practice. And um, for me, as I, you know, in the very beginning, I, the reason I never quit was because I would take the koan to work. Like Zen Master Sung Sung would give us interviews at least two, three times a week in the mornings. And I then I'd run off. I had to be at work at seven. And I remember I was working on, um, you know, the, the koan about hanging from a branch by your teeth. You know, if you answer, you fall to your death. If you don't answer, you evade your duty, you'll be killed. You know, and you're hanging there. And how do you stay alive? You can't open your mouth. You can't keep your mouth closed. How do you stay alive? And I hadn't passed that koan yet, and I was I was questioning it. Well, I was moving this. Um, I was doing uh, treatments, and I was moving the treatment cart down the corridor, and that it came up to me that question, and I and I just I went into the not knowing place. I went. I didn't know, so I, I asked myself the question, and I got stuck intellectually stuck. 
and I have the don't know. Now that's that's not feeling good, practicing to feel good or to feel relaxed. Or you're really questioning. You're asking, what is it right now? And so the koan kind of artificially gives you that what is it, and 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 then if you if you don't have the answer, you just drop the question and you have the what is it mind. And I remember that morning at work, it was so profound. I just I I felt so alive pushing that cart. I went, where am I going? Like, well, Mr. So-and-so, I, oh yeah, yeah I, I, I completely tuned into what the treatment was for this man and what his wound looked like and, and how could I maybe change the treatment to make the wound heal faster or how could I make him feel any better? Genuinely, that just came from the koan. You know, it was like this, how can I help mind? And this wider attentiveness came from the koan, from the, the process of questioning, not knowing, and only not knowing. And then not knowing brings you into this moment. I don't know. It was really amazing. And I, I just remember feeling like, um, <laughs> like I, well, I don't know. I don't want to talk about drugs, but I felt very, very enhanced. You know, I went like, wow, he really needs a pat on the back, this guy. And I just had, a, I spent an extra five minutes with him and loved him up a little bit. And it felt so great. And, and that's just a good nurse. That's what a good nurse would do and not be distracted and thinking about the next person I've got to go in and see and thinking about, am I going to get back to the desk in time to call so-and-so? And that's what we often do is we just get into futuristic worrying and thinking and, and rather than just being there. And we, we always hear, oh, be there, be there, be there. But really be there. How do you get yourself to be there? And I just love koan practice. I mean, that's that's been a tremendous thing in my – and that's why – that's a big reason why I never quit because it, it, that's inexhaustible, you know. It's in, not the particular koans, but that process of everything's a koan, you know. How are you going to spend your day as a koan? And if you go into don't know, then then the vow and 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 the direction will appear from that questioning. It works. What what I love so much about koan practice, koan practice, is whenever I'm struggling, it's it's always because I'm making it too difficult. And and when I uh-huh. finally solve yeah. it, I'm just like, oh right, it was so right in front of me what the right answer was, and which is also so much of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's so validating. And then even if you don't have the right answer, you can, you can feel comfortable with not knowing and to being honest about that. Like it, I think I practiced for, I think I'll just guess 20, I was, I had already been practicing 20 years when I finally really, um, really got, uh, it was a personal thing that I had to get to that it was okay to make a mistake that if I made a mistake, that didn't, there's no Bobby that made the mistake. There was just this, this, this being that had to say, Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know right now. Let me call, you know, like with my hospice work, I wouldn't sometimes know what to do next with someone's medication. So I would just say, let me call the doctor and find out what, what the doctor thinks, whether we should go up on it, go down on it, or maybe we have to add something to this. And I didn't, all of a sudden I didn't feel stupid. I just felt like it's okay not to know. The whole thing is to, it's all there though. All the answers are there if you just try call the right person or just say we just need to wait we need to be patient i know this is hard for you and but the hospice work you know just being a nurse in general was tremendously helpful to me because 
I was always walking into to the the potential to quote unquote make a mistake, but I began to see it as this is an opportunity to just learn and and see what can be done, and not what Bobby can do, but what can be done. How can we help this? And that was all day long. I had that with hospice, you know. So the practice was tremendously helpful. It still is tremendously helpful. Hmm. I was thinking about you and your hospice practice. And the odd parallels of the Buddha going off on his journey after seeing yeah. someone who was sick. And, and I was just wondering what was in the hospice practice for you? Was it reflective? Was it, how did you see your practice? Everything was in it. Everything just, it's not an easy job. But, and I tend to, my talent is tends to be being with people. Um, um, and I, I've, I was voted the most humorous in my class in high school. So I, I found that I found that the practice, my humor became appropriate. You know, I could, I mean, it, you could make people smile or laugh in the worst situations when that was the best thing to do, to have a tension release. And so again, just from not knowing that humor would come up and, uh, and people loved it, you know, or the, or the kindness of, I, I just would automatically know if someone wanted their shoulders rubbed or something, or they didn't want their shoulders rubbed or all from just perception, all from watching, paying attention. And again, as I said, if I, if I had it wrong, then, um, then I could, I could not like it collapse from it, but just apologize and back off and say, let's see what we can do, you know, with, so if see, someone sees, if you're with another person and they're not defending anything, but they're just curious and they're trying and they're, they care, that's what matters. And to me, practice brings you to that curiosity and that caring and that, you know, wonder about life. So it just wins with any, as I said, I started talked about garbage collecting, but it, it, it works with everything. I was just with my granddaughter, you know, um, I, went to, I went to visit them and I have this, she's six now. She, I was just at her sixth birthday. And um, about six months ago, um, I'd gotten her a new Lego set and she goes, Oh, um, you know, I want you to do it with me. Let's go upstairs and let's do Legos. And so I went up there and I, I'm tend to be kind of mechanically minded. She's really loves Legos and she's really good at it. And, and these little ones, these teeny little Legos and she, she, her, she can do it. And so I wanted to, I thought, Oh, I'm going to do Legos. So I'm going to do it with her. She said, do it with me. And, and as soon as I would start to get involved, I'd say, well, let me build this wall or let me see if I can help with this. She said, no, 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 I'm going to do it. And she'd grab it out of my hand. <laughs> and it was like, so I went downstairs. I, I stayed, I hung in there and I stayed with her, but my mind was, I wasn't happy. So I went downstairs <laughs> and I said to my daughter, I said, she wouldn't let me do anything. Oh, she wanted to do everything. And my daughter just simply said, yeah, that's what five-year-olds do, mom. She just wanted, she wanted you to sit with her. That's doing Legos with her, sitting with her. And it was like, it was like a, uh, you know, I had this opening. I was like, oh, like uh, it was so obvious. It was like a con, right? Yeah. Like I can't force a five-year-old to let me help them. But I was, I, my ego was getting involved where I wanted to do, I want to do it. And so it was such a good lesson. So when you had that eye, whereas if you're just noticing, she just wanted you with her. That's all she wanted, you know. They don't cooperate like that when they're five, you know. So it was really, it was just like, again, that's, that's just one little koan of the day for me. Like, I went like, look what you did. You wanted, you imposed what you wanted into what they wanted. 
And that's what we do all day. We're, we're in a position, if we're, if we're full of ourselves, right? We're yeah. posing ourselves onto something else. You know, it's, I do a lot of gardening. It's the same thing. Like I get, I start to get annoyed. Oh, this plant's not thriving. This is, what's wrong with it? You know, did I, is it the soil? Is it the water? Is it the sunlight? Is what's going on? You know, but I'll, I'll see that I want something. Whereas if I just look at it and not know, then, then intuitively, again, from the bottom up, that vow, that direction appears where you go, well, just maybe it just needs time. You know, and then a lot of things just need time. So, you know, one of the parameters is patience, you know, mm. and that's not my forte. And so gar- <laughs> gardening is great for me because I'll just, I, I've just gotten, so I'll just give it some time. And then it might take, I just had a vine. I, I planted it four years ago. It finally flowered. See, I'm saying finally. Yeah. It, it flowered after four years. And I, I almost dug it up last year. I went, I, it must not be what I, I thought I bought this. But it must not be. It must be a different vine. Then I went, I don't take it up. Give it some more time. And then this year, it's like blooming like crazy. And it was like, wow, it needed, I just needed to be patient. Give it some time, you know. <laughs> so, and that's what we have to do with our own practice. Just like, don't check, don't check the practice. Just give it, give it time. And so we always talk of the most important thing is, is faith, courage, and, and, um, question, you know. So I definitely have faith in this practice and the courage is, is like, that's the hard part is you just start again, you start to check and go, oh, you know, and, uh, it takes courage just to be a human being and listen to the news. Let's face it, you know. So sad, and it's oh. But again, if I've, I've been feeling sad today about this thing that happened in, yesterday in Israel, and yeah, and uh, I had the public. I had I was listening to the radio when I was making breakfast this morning, and uh, a lot of people are upset about that. The UN is upset about that, and it's like, yeah, we're upset. But again, how can we change anything? And and it just starts with each of us. Each of us has to change. And it, it sounds, it's, again, it's another friggin' cliche, but it's a cliche because it's the truth. You know, each of those people that are involved with is the, the, the friction in Palestine and Israel, it, each person has to see it and, and, and find out the skillful means, the vow, the direction to get out of it, right? Yeah. And we can pray for them. Well, like I've, I, it's funny, it's ironic, but all the time I've been practicing Zen. You know, we don't believe in kind of an external God or, you know, something that you to, you don't pray at something, but you can actually send out love, you know. And so the older I get, the more I do like a Tan Lin type practice where I'll just send love out to not just Palestine, but to Israel, to mm-hmm. to the human consciousnesses, you know, like, come on, you can do it. I love you. And it sounds corny, but, you know, that makes that makes a difference. It makes a difference to send out the right uh, radio waves, you know, from your own heart, from your own mind, you know. So I think that's something that you get more with age. I I just turned 70 and it's like more and more I believe in, um, I see how, you know, just uh, carrying and sending out that love makes a big difference. Yeah. When you were talking about the vow, you know, it's this, quite gripping idea and then with the the prayer that you just offered it's it's also sort of very compelling the idea behind the practice but then you've got to go 
sort of sit on the cushion, you know? Yeah. And and I feel like a lot of people stop practicing because, you know, when you sit on the cushion, all of a sudden it can get dark quite quickly uh-huh. because you start to encounter how much anger is there, like how much stuff is there. And it can get really overwhelming. And so people stop practicing because they don't want to give it the time that it needs to flower because yeah. there's there's so much pain there. It's quite painful. Mm-hmm. That's why there's so few people really, you know, in the quantum school, mm-hmm. proportionately by the, the people that have been introduced to it and, and maybe love the Dharma talks or love the idea. You know, there's probably 10 times more of those people than the 10% that actually keep coming. I'm just making that. It's probably less than 10% because it's, um, and I talked about courage and, and, you know, courage and effort are tremendous. And if, if it's not there for you right then, 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 yeah, you back, you do something else and that's fine. Because that's, again, that's, we need to be patient with that, you know, but I, that's, it's not really fine. And so it's, it's a real, conundrum and that's why there's so much suffering in this world because yeah it's not easy to let go of your opinions your conditioning your ideas it's very difficult because that's what you're familiar with it's scary to let go of those things but you have to become completely stupid you have to actually not know and and that's that's a leap for for everybody mm-hmm. but it's uh it's tremendously effective but people don't always do what's effective you know is it's too scary or it's too it's too difficult you know? So yeah, that's that's the sad part of it. Very sad. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we're in the situation we're in this world. You know, and it doesn't have to be like this brand of Zen Buddhism that I'm talking about. But you've got to find your way. You've got to find what wakes you up and what makes you stabilize and and be more effective and and feel good and feel loving. And what is that? And so the then you have that. What is that? And every religion has to have what is that. Every path has to have what is this, or else you're not going to make it. You're not going to find your find your way, right? Yeah, and as a species, yeah, you no, know? yeah. So I can't. I don't understand why people don't just draw aren't drawn to asking what is this and realizing that the other way doesn't work so well. But it takes time, and some people just—it's just a level of, of confusion that that pe- some people have more than others, and it's not—I'm not trying to um, judge that, but some people are much more more drawn to the confusion and to the, the brief pleasures they might get, uh, rather than really being dissatisfied with that and wanting wanting the whole ball of wax, you know, wanting enlightenment, wanting wanting to be that fully realized compassionate person. And believe me, I'm not fully realized. I don't I it's a joke that that we're labeled Zen master in our school because none of us we haven't mastered Zen. We're just still working at it, you know, but uh, everybody, you know, that's all we can do is walk towards it day by day by day and, and realize that there's no walking towards it's right here. Just look in the mirror and, and, you know, do your job. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sit, Breathe, Bow. I hope you found our conversation with Zen Master Sung Young encouraging and helpful for your practice. A special thanks to our sponsor, the Providence Zen Center, 
If you would like to deepen your practice commitment, I encourage you to explore PZC's residential and retreat opportunities. You can find all of that information at ProvidenceZen.org. If you would like some guidance on how to meditate, there are some videos you can watch at ProvidenceZen.org videos. My name is Ian Whitemar. I hope you'll join me again next week.